Star Trek, The Nerdy Frontier. These are the discussions of the Good Time Society. Their continuing mission, to explore each episode, to seek out new topics and ridiculous observations, to boldly watch what they've already watched before. this time because I'm the best at it. Well, I mean, I've done it a few times and I really think I've outshone you each time. I'm getting better and better. Xander! Yeah? You can't outshine me. I'm shiny. You know what? Watch me, okay? I'm going to come here and I'm going to shine my light and you are not going to tell me otherwise. Put your light away, Okay. Hey, 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 hold on. Guys, guys, what's going on? Oh, uh, I forgot. We were just going to introduce the podcast. I was just feeling unnaturally aggressive for some reason. I was going to slap someone. <laughs> it was going to be you, Jake. Yo, but you're isolated, so you're you. probably going to slap yourself. Was the word that was called? Oh, I wow. slapped myself. <laughs> guys, I'm so, I'm so glad you guys could just calm down. <laughs> Whatever residual emotions are floating around in our space right now, let's just let's just push them out for a second. There must be a mysterious source and definitely not tension from being locked in a metal tube out in space for way too long because no oh. other way things could go wrong. Oh, we don't talk about that enough. We need yeah. to really talk about the effect on our mental health of being locked on this ship together. This ship is that one kilometer no long and there's a <laughs> thousand people on it so that we each get a meter. I mean, no, I guess it's wide, but still. Very yep. stressful. For space, not a lot of it. <laughs> that's, that's right. right. <laughs> no, it's, Jake, that's right. No, that's right. It's Sarek, where violent emotions sweep the Enterprise when Ambassador Sarek comes aboard to finish a long diplomatic mission. Okay, Ooh. this episode had everything. The ensemble was magical. The acting was on point. We had a cameo from the original series. We let uh, Patrick Stewart do whatever he wanted, and it was <laughs> incredible. I bawled. <laughs> wow, I must have been very tired at the end of the day, but I will say that is the best scene in all of Star Trek when we see Picard feel the breadth of human emotion in a single scene and we barely cut away right a continuous yeah no that was a long continuous shot we didn't even get that with Sarek but we'll we'll get there this is this was yes I know no no it's I'm I that was the moment for me too I literally was speechless Uh, it was pretty great Becca you watched this episode late at night after a long shoot day and I think Xander Xander did you watch it this morning (laughs) this morning yeah yeah, me too. So I, I always want to talk about this framing of like what our attitude is going into it. You were tired, so you probably were a little bored by this episode. Would you say that I am a person very strongly ruled by my emotions? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's always a Sarek standing right behind me. <laughs> a Sakoth just looking at He you. doesn't even have to be behind you, according Jake, to this. you yeah. are my Sakoth. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know Vulcans had like basic or like like slight te- uh so powers? i think it's like a vulcan to vulcan basis some are more telepathic than others and in this case uh Sarek was particularly it's like it's like i message but for vulcans they can only really talk to each yeah. other yeah or like i sight in <laughs> in that like some people have better than others <laughs> yeah i get it i get it yeah uh let's let's inform the viewers what the heck we're talking about so this is Sarek, and for those of you that don't know Sarek is actually spock's father spock from the original Spock's daddy. No. Yeah. What? Oh my God. He's over 200 and he looks great. Right? That's a dill. 
Yes. He does look great. And honestly, he looks kind of the same. He looks like yeah. in the 60s, he was like a, it wasn't an older man, but he was, he still played Spock's father. And so I he think aged, they aged him up. I think they the did 60s. too. And they've, they've yeah. kept the age accurate. It, his makeup looked great. Mm-hmm. Um, or I guess his face looked great. <laughs> his face he looked aged, great. <laughs> uh, accurately. Um, <laughs> yeah, they got it. <laughs> Good age, Ananya. Spock does mm. get a mention, uh, not by name in the beginning, but he does get a mention later on because I believe, like, Picard well, is walking down the... Oh, go ahead. Actually, right in the beginning, there was a little throwaway line by Picard. Yeah. He's like, I was at his son's wedding, and I was like, Spock? And I yeah. lots of question marks. Or was it his half-brother? Or... there is one of those, too. I there's think. also Michael Burnham. Spoilers for Discovery. <laughs> But I do love the idea that the, the the character in Star Trek is just named Michael Burnham. I know you mean the actor, but I just like No, Spock no, no. Her Burnham. name is Michael Burnham. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, that's the character uh, name. And they're female? Yeah, Sonequa Martin-Green. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh. It's I so good. I've done an escape room with her. It's <laughs> so, oh my goodness. Especially the, the, la- the last channel. season of Discovery. Uh, is is magical, but Sarek makes a, more of an appearance in I think season two of Discovery, and we find out more about that lineage. And Amanda, who was Spock's mother and Sarek's first wife, second wife, I think Sarek had three wives, and Pelham, this one, it, Perrin, is the latest and the only, the last one. Got it. We don't know. <laughs> well, we don't. <laughs> I guess. Wow, uh, we could get into this later, but I'm going to get into it now. So, Vulcan Man only dates human women. Yep. How does he find so many human women that are willing to tolerate a man that cannot show emotion? I, I'd do it. If Sarek asked me to, like, travel the stars oh, with I, him, yes. That's I the best answer is, how does he get so many women? And Xander says, I'd do it. Yeah. I love that response. Instantly. Yeah. I, I know a no. few women that would go along with this, probably. <laughs> he cares very deeply for you, even though he never says it. I know. No! Ooh, I need you to contract. express your emotions verbally. Yeah. Well, is, my love language includes language. Mm-hmm, but Get the fuck out. Every, every person has a different yeah. love language. I, maybe you and Sarek aren't a great match, Becca, and that's okay. Absolutely mm. not. <laughs> and that's fine. <laughs> and that's fine to each their own. You need an emotional man, and that's mm. fine. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the Vulcans, as we learn, suppress their emotions. It's not that they don't experience them. They suppress them to the point to where logic takes over and logic drives the core of their right. personality. Yeah. Well, and- what's interesting is that because all people that are Vulcan experience emotions so intensely that they have evolved mm-hmm. to suppress them, uh, which is so weird. So they're they're all yeah. having these emotions or they genetically have like, tamp them down so much that they don't even feel them. It's a very nuanced thing. I think the word evolution is used a little wishy-washy here because I don't know how genetic it is so much as like their cultural evolution has like dampened it, right? It's a cultural practice called the colonar. And so there are Vulcans that do not go through the colonar and do not suppress their emotions. And so it's... They're known as the whiny ones, is that right? The the great whiny ones. (laughs) The whiny ones. I'd be a whiny one. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, 
there's like a training procedure that happens and it's very much like a brainwashy type of thing because in discovery they kind of go into detail with that of michael going through that training as a human you're still able to do it but will never be seen as a vulcan Mm. uh so yeah it's it's an interesting way to take it because i feel like original series sort of belabored the point of vulcans because it was the alien on the ship that they could explore and create lore for and have it be consistent. So this is just adding to that because we don't really see any Vulcans for a long time in Next Gen. Right. And they made Spock half human to give him that dichotomy right. of like he's always wrestling with it kind of thing. So yeah. they could explore that. Yeah, I love that. But more importantly, we have the return of the dress uniform scant. Yes. And I have missed them and they are sparkly and I love them. <laughs> I felt scanty about it all. <laughs> oh, they, were, they looked Fabulous. Right? So Picard and Riker are strolling down the corridor talking about how great Sarek is. He is a renowned ambassador for the Federation. And uh, it sounds like one of the founders of, like, the principles of the Federation. That's how old he yep. is, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we, before he beams aboard, two of his assistants beam aboard. Uh, let's get, the, let's yeah. get their names. We have... Uh, Human one and Vulcan one. <laughs> Mendrosen and Saka. Thing one and thing two. Mendrosen, was that the other one? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Mendrosen, right. Okay, cool. And they immediately are very polite, but they're also like, look, Sarek is going through a lot right now. He's very tired, so dispense with all formalities. And Picard's bummed he planned a Mozart concert for him. This is the language. It's just wild that Mozart's still popular Mm. in the 2400s (laughs) and has gotten more popular. Mm -hmm. Everybody's playing it. It is the universal language of classical earth music. (laughs) I do... They always reference classical Earth music, but they never reference what would be classical to them, which still might be our time. Like, I really yeah. would love Sarek to be, like, a huge Van Halen fan or something yes. like that. And they- would you like to come to the classical Van Halen concerts? <laughs> the first episode of the 2005 reboot of Doctor Who with Chris Reckleson, they do that joke where they're like, we're going to now play some classical music as we witness the end of this planet. And then Britney Spears starts playing over the speakers. <laughs> it's fantastic. Wow, topical. <laughs> Today is the day of her hearing about her conservatorship. Oh, is it? Free Britney. Mm-hmm. Actually, let's pause the recording now and go watch Go watch that. Live. Hashtag free Britney. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, for, hashtag free Sarek, right? Because, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Hashtag free Sarek. <laughs> uh, I was going to say that uh, Picard sort of drops the, uh, uh, the ending uh, right in the beginning here where he goes, I wish I could share in the experiences of the past like 200 years that he's had in some way. There's, a, there's also a little foreshadowing early on when he mentions his first encounter with Sarek when he was a young lieutenant, and he was so awed by his presence that he was he couldn't even speak. He was kind of <laughs> speechless, which we'll see how that comes up later on. Mm-hmm. And Picard says, okay, we'll dispense with the formalities, I guess. Sarek comes aboard and seems to be in an okay mood and actually does want to see the conference room for the upcoming uh Discussions, I guess, with a alien race that we really aren't even going to get to, uh, the Lagarans, right? But we do find out their particular bathing practices. <laughs> it's got to be slime. in rainbow liquids with bubble bath and no furniture. And you know it smells. And, and a stinky smell, yeah. It looked a little thin to be stinky to me. I think yeah. of more of a sludge to have right. stink, but I did like the rainbow choice. Maybe like a bath bomb smell, but it's just like a lot of rose. 
a bath fart. Yeah. I, I would like to think that it's a survival need, but I love that we've assumed that it's like they have bathing needs and they need to be relaxing yeah. in a colorful hot tub to do negotiations. I and mean, these, honestly, so do I. These walls are way too bright. What are you even thinking? And decorated. I, did you notice the decorations were just prints of like Jupiter's gas or something like that? It was like the most simple space decorations. It's, it's local Sarah, like, to our... Yeah. What would they find pleasing? Hmm, vapor paint. <laughs> It's like uh, Earthlings visiting a ship, and it's just a picture of a tree in a field. Yeah, and that's it. You, the, uh, humans love this stuff. <laughs> so Sarek is um, gives some pretty harsh feedback, but of course Vulcans always give harsh feedback because they're logical beings, right? But it's the it didn't way seem that logical. He does it. Mm, yeah, it has a tone to it, doesn't it, Xander? Mm-hmm. Yes, and we also get the little bit of backstory that Wesley has a date. <laughs> with one of the most attractive uh, ensigns on the ship, as Jordy mentions, like, I'm surprised you went for that. Right. And handsome old Wesley's like, yeah, no, look at yeah, this haircut. I'm in Tiger Beat. Yeah, I'm yeah. in Tiger <laughs> Was he in Tiger Beat? Yeah. yeah. Do you have any of those back definitely issues? a poster. Who knows? You know, I was just <laughs> talking to someone about Tiger Beat this morning, and I found out that they used to list like PO boxes of stars so you can have a place to ship fan mail. Oh, someone or, definitely you know, birthday presents. That. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he did a great job in this episode. Wesley did. Yeah, yeah will or I mean, yeah, will. Yeah. Uh, so mm-hmm. um, Wesley and Jordy are preparing the the bathtub for the Lagarans, and we yeah we learn that Wesley has a date with one of the the hot. Ensigns and Jordy is impressed, <laughs> and mm-hmm. that gets set aside because we're going to see that later on. Um, mm-hmm. So what happens next? Well, I guess when Sarah... he does this thing where he says you've decorated the room wrong, yeah. if only Beverly Crusher had been in the room, she probably would have automatically like, said, "This guy's got bent eye." What is the thing that gives Vulcans emotions when yeah. they get old? Yeah, so I was wondering about like how common this is, and they do say later on it's, it hasn't been documented since like Sarek was even around. So I right. forgave it's... them the whole. What is this Vulcan menopause essentially? Right? It's like it's well, his aging, yeah, but, but it's, it's reversed. also it's a rare uh, uh, occurrence too. Yeah. It's not yeah, something it's not, that happens to every Vulcan. It's not it's the more natural like, life cycle, right? It sounds like standard senility that every human deals with, where they get real cranky when they're old because you're well, in pain all the time. The real thing is that now there's so much shame built up about not being able to contain your emotions. If someone had it, they wouldn't say anything anyway, mm-hmm. therefore creating this culture of, well, that doesn't exist. Right, right. So they're try- uh, Picard and Riker and Troy are trying to figure out, well, if we're going to cancel everything, we still want to like try and have a relationship with this, uh, this group that's coming on board. And so Troy wisely suggests, well, why don't you at least invite Perrin to the concert and... Picard says, that's a great idea. Why didn't why didn't we think of that? Yeah. I will get up right now I'm from the bridge. Right yeah. now. I is... really like this not sending a text or an email. You think about somebody, you walk to their quarters right now and say hello. Yeah. If only we had more of that in our world. You know, that's the benefit of being in a metal tube with all your friends. <laughs> well, also and acquaintances that... and enemies and everyone. That goes to show just how comfortable the captain is to go anywhere, too. Of, like, that's the impulse. Instead of sending a message, he's like, well, I could go anywhere I want. Here I go. Yeah. Yeah, and he's not a celebrity on the ship because he doesn't need an escort, which is interesting. I don't know. I'm just thinking about this concept of, like, if he is the biggest deal of anyone on the ship, wouldn't just random people run up to him in the hallway and be like, Captain, hey, my dad's in Starfleet and I'm just on the ship. Anyway, I want to ask you some questions for my book. 
book report. Yeah, that happens. Mm. <laughs> what happens in Ulysses? Famous. Can you summarize it in five pages for me? <laughs> yeah. This is our recurring it. theme. Just any classical literature. <laughs> I've got it on the holodeck. <laughs> As I have said, uh, if anyone's on the Patreon, we have a whole back and forth thread about Ulysses and whether actually anyone actually ever re- read all of it. Uh, mm. And I will double down on my comment, which is please go listen or read Circe by Madeline Miller. It's a way better feminist retelling of parts of the Ulysses myth. Ooh, interesting. interesting. Okay, good recommendation. Boom. Um, Boom. Picard goes to Perrin and says, why don't you come? And she's uh, like, well, he maybe I'll try and get him to attend as well. How does that work? I think also before this happens, we do see – do we see the first, like, tussle between yeah, Leslie because and Jordy? Yeah, Sarek was, like, in that room, right? The conference room? You yeah. Know, that happens before. We no. do not yet. Oh. No. 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 It happens soon after – uh, but right before the concert. Right. But you know what? Maybe she's just too big. Mrs. Sarek is too big of a Mozart stan. And Man. she's like, okay, I know this could give away all of our secrets and it could ruin our whole plan. But I gotta see some Mozart. Yeah. Well, you can see that, that uh, they genuinely had his best interests and they thought that they were doing what was right. And so you could see maybe the thought process was this right. might relax him and ease the tension going into the talk. It's fairly obvious with the energy that everybody's coming on that there's something going on in the first two acts. We just don't know what. And we actually think that his attendants are, like, manipulating him. And in a way, they kind of are. Exactly. But, like, they're doing it to yeah. what they perceive to be his benefit, which is um, Sephoth, right. which it turns out is suppressing uh, the emotional leakage, I guess. <laughs> I don't know how to best to say mm-hmm. Emotional leakage. Yeah, that's a disgusting together. way to describe it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but trying to keep Sarek <laughs> from uh, escaping the logical self, right? And so uh, mm. Perrin takes up the captain's invitation, and Sarek actually does show up at the concert. But before that happens, in the conference room, mm. we get a cutaway to Wesley and Jordy going at it. What an aggressive fight. I have yeah. never seen Jordy say anything so mean, and he meant it, and it hurt me deeply. <laughs> and Wesley gets it. beaten up this episode. Like, yeah. he just not yeah. a break in sight. <laughs> then everyone gets beaten up in 10 forwards. Yeah. There, but, oh, Except for Guinan, who thankfully had the night off. <laughs> yeah. No one wants to see Guinan get hurt. I want to see Guinan in a fight. She would win for well, sure. Well, she'd kill everyone with a snap of her fingers, yeah. and yeah, we don't do want to know thing. that about... Oh! <laughs> with her hands. <laughs> the cloth. So Wesley and uh, Jordy go at it, and Riker comes in and is confused. Why are you guys fighting? You're like best friends. And mm-hmm. uh, Wesley says, permission to be excused, and doesn't wait to get that permission and just leaves. Mm-hmm. And Riker's like, do you want to say anything, Jordy? Insubordination. Yeah, which is a big deal. Yeah, for sure. Especially from an acting ensign. Yeah, I mean, they don't show this much, but they just throw people out the airlock. (laughs) (laughs) One time, Wesley walked into a flower bed and they almost killed him. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, nobody was really going to get in the way. (laughs) Culture's culture. Don't even bring up Tasha Yar and what happened to her. Uh, <laughs> just don't bring up Tasha Yar. Anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah, just yeah. don't bring up Tasha Yar. Riker gives one of his classic one-eye squints, which is where – let's see if I can do it. Where's 
great for the podcast. Can't do it. No. Uh, well, you see, uh, the audience at home, Jake is, uh, I guess, aggressively trying to almost half blink, and it looks like he just got something in his eye, but only one. It's eye. actually just a minor seizure. One. Is all this is. I, I see. I see. <laughs> yeah. Those happen. Okay. No, I know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It looks like an emoji face of, like, a lifted eyebrow kind of confused. Right. And this is the first of many such altercations. Beverly Crusher has another altercation with Wesley where he's not as aggressive, but she just is very She slaps him. him. Yeah. This is wild. Yeah. I do not want to see Beverly like this. Uh, she freaks out about him not attending a concert and then slaps him across the face. Yeah. Like, hard as she later describes it to Troy well then this is a brilliant cutaway to her describing it happened because at first you're like is this a dream is this a fake Beverly is this the holodeck what's happening and a brilliant cut to her in the therapist office describing what had happened and getting help shows what a 180 flip whatever is causing this emotion that Mm. we've seen several times is and shows how in touch Beverly is that she immediately said get thee to a therapist (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) Plus, Deanna's her friend, but yeah. 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 And in between those, we have that concert, right? So Data, of course, is playing the violin. Brent Spiner getting even better. I'm pretty sure he's playing that. I tried to look real carefully. Yeah. It seems pretty real. Some of the... The other actors, especially the older man in the in the yellow, I don't think was really. Playing. I couldn't <laughs> tell. So the cello player was legit. I watched that, and then whoever was playing the Looked solo legit. on the left side was real. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't tell about the older fellow either. I, I wasn't. But sure. But he was just happy to be there. Hey. I like to think that he was maybe an original series actor that was getting a cameo. <laughs> maybe, I love maybe. I love the Xander canon of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why did that guy get that spot? There weren't any lines. Why didn't they get a real violinist? I think they. I honestly do think they want to show um, the variety of ages for different people on oh, the ship. I mean, being like officers. he's he's like he's a younger, like he's a uh, older officer who's like a lieutenant or something yeah. based on his pips. Yeah, yeah. So like, I think they want to show that everybody's in Starfleet. A little no, bit. No, that's true. And anybody can become a musician at any point in Absolutely. time in their life. He probably only picked it up a couple years ago. And then we get some incredible shots of this single-tier emotional moment with the music swelling and the focus racking to <laughs> the other one in the back just watching. Yeah. It's uh, great. The, the audience is pretty pretty entranced, but Sarek in particular has a tear drop out. And we notice mm-hmm. that Sakath in a very brilliant shot, which I'll show you behind me, we notice that Sakath yes. is watching very carefully and it looks quite evil which again we're to assume there's something not great going on but now we know that he's working hard to control a whole lot of emotions and then let some slip that emotional leakage came out the eye (laughs) emotionally Picard confronts Mendrosin in his ready room, and eventually they also confront Sakath and just be like, "Look, we can tell something's going on. You have to, you have to let us handle it." And Beverly diagnoses. Wait, but that it doesn't happen too, until right? the big fight scene. That's oh, when things really forward? come to a head, and they're like, "We got to bring right. this up." Right. Yeah. Let's talk about that fight scene. So, <laughs> of course, O'Brien has to be involved. <laughs> He's the one that an old Irish it bar all. fight, yeah. right? Jesus. <laughs> Love that about him. When Riker and Worf come in, and the, the point that this fight has escalated, where everybody is throwing each other into yeah. tables. Yeah. Dear Lord. That the, was chaos. The best line, though, was Riker going, like, have you noticed the temper's afraid? And Worf is like, oh, I hadn't noticed. As if, like, that's how things are supposed to be around him. <laughs> <laughs> 
But then, the and then they open the door to ten forward and see a full-on bar fight with everyone, like smashing stools over people's backs and just savagery. It was comical how many different fights were happening on there. I expected, you know, it to be a little bit chaotic, but that was madness. Yeah, well, there what there are a few shots that are like that in the original series too. Uh, especially like when they get to the Klingons of the era, there are a few like attacks on a spaceship or a starbase or something like that that are just like wide shots of multiple yeah. fights happening. I do remember that now. I do remember mm. also like shots of like Kirk in the foreground punching somebody, but there's a bunch of other fighting going yeah. on as well. It's I, yeah, to represent like that chaos. Oh, of... that's interesting. So in the aftermath of the chaos, that's when Troy and Beverly come in and are chatting with the captain and Riker. And um, Beverly's been working on this for a minute because when she had confessed to Troy about slapping her son and having her emotional outburst, Troy was like, all I can tell you is everybody has told me the same story in the past two days, and it's weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the benefits of having so, a counselor on board. There you go. Yeah, that's, you know what? I'm getting a lot of feelings yeah cool cool power um <laughs> so she's already been doing her research beverly crusher has and uh notices sarik was the factor that was introduced when all this ha- happened or at least one of that party that arrived mm-hmm. and she deduces no airborne illnesses no foodborne illnesses she does all the process of elimination mm-hmm. which is why they get to this very rare almost mythical folkloric disease called Bindi syndrome. And because it's mythical, no one can really know how to pronounce it correctly. <laughs> Is it Bendy? Is it Bendi? Bendy Bendi? Who, who knows? Tomato, tomato, oh, Bendy Bendi. <laughs> yeah. You know how that song goes. Only Sarek knows. <laughs> tomato, potato. Well, I mean, obviously he and his crew are in much denial about that idea, right? As you said, it's a mythical uh symptom or mythical disease i guess according mm-hmm. to them but it turns out well maybe it's actually quite real yeah but if anyone could get the truth from a logical being it's data <laughs> yes i do love that confrontation scene it's so good because the data is the representation of the logical mind for next gen what spock was in original series that's what data is and so we're seeing these two forces interact because for the longest time the debate was who would win like data versus spock type of thing and so we kind of get to see this play out in a way uh and and, data data wins (laughs) but he had bendai syndrome so (laughs) well yeah data calls out sakath and is just like we need we need to know what's going on and it would be beneficial for obviously for Sarek if you were working with us and so Sarek says yes tell the captain the mission is in jeopardy yeah. well the way this came about was uh Sakath denies data says but you already told us that your leader was fallible and he says what are you talking about i did not <laughs> uh-uh and data says when you asked me about the experience of our counselor and our captain Mm -hmm. communicating specifically with this race that we need to be negotiating with the Lagarans. When you inquired about that, it was implicit that um, Sarek is not up to snuff. And you can tell that Sakath was using data like a robot or uh, an appliance because he didn't even consider that data could make those connections in that logic. Yes, that's a great point. He also, when he was interviewing data early on in the episode, and he's touring the bridge. He's very much just like Kurt and short. asking questions of the computer a little bit. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. very just provide me this information, provide me mm-hmm. this information. I really liked that exchange. And 
it wasn't really mentioned. Like it was a good. It's just a subtext of how they treat each other, which I really yeah. appreciated. I also later on when when Sarek fires Sakath, it's the most like straightforward firing ever. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Your Vulcan. services are no longer needed. That yeah. would be unwise. Well, it may be unwise, but it is necessary." He's like, "Yep, bye." Wow, <laughs> that all makes sense. Yeah, sure, with you. Plus, you have Data to also does leave. one more thing in that scene, which is Data implores him to weigh the logical consequences. Of course, he has gotten in on this scheme of protecting Sarek, but is that ultimately more important than the negotiations with the Lajaran? And again, like he did not expect to be confronted with him. A, a ethical quandary from what he considers to be a machine. Yeah. And it just goes to show, never underestimate data. <laughs> there it is. Well said. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, just emphasizing again, overall, I have so many notes that are just like, oh, the acting is so good. Good acting all around. The ensemble. Everyone. So good. Yeah. They confront <laughs> Sarek, and he's he checks in with his attendants, who both lie to him and say, no, no, mm. nothing's wrong. And then... Heron, I guess, is kind of the turn in the scene. How does that well, go? Well, notably, the human attendant lies. The Vulcan one does not. Didn't as he? Soon as, I like, thought he said... Well, go ahead. Oh, well, as soon as like the, he was confronted with the question, he didn't answer. Then the human went... Blah, 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 and then he turned back to Sakath and was like, I have, I'm waiting for the answer. Oh, and yeah. He that just tells yeah. the truth. Because mm-hmm. Picard outed him and was like, "Your boy, telling <laughs> secrets. And yeah. he's not going to... Yeah, that's too dishonorable to mm-hmm. tell the truth in one scene and then turn around and when you are called out to double down on the lie, nah, you just got to tell the truth at some point. Which is what he realized when he realized he was making a bigger mistake by helping aid in this deception, which may have felt right to protect this person that he obviously loves and cares about mm-hmm. and is in the head of, but is ultimately for well, the worse. Isn't it Perrin or somebody who says, like, we don't need to deal with this right now? And Sarek says, on the contrary, I need to let the captain know yeah. that I'm going to handle the conference. It's the most logical response. Yeah, to reassure yeah. him. Yeah. I love that yep. he stays to do that. And then, then that's when they have the scene by themselves where they just like, why yes. don't you make your logical points to why you believe this is so? And I love how that just leads into The that. escalation, it's perfect. It was a lot of, like, this dude doesn't see that he's yelling. This dude doesn't yeah, this yeah. whole time. He has been pretending that his actions are logical? Come on. Well, I, I kind of believed it because if he yeah. has this disease, then I think it's it's a borderline hysteria because, mm-hmm. as they mentioned, they they feel emotions very strongly and they do a lot of work to suppressing them. And as we know about suppressing emotions in humans, that causes things to be a little volcanic inside, right? Yeah. So, like, Vol- wow. Uh, all this is very triggering because you use the word hysteria and uh, that's a word specifically for women who are being oppressed and don't deserve to have emotions sticking with the vibrator just like the play it, it, just like the play tells us it was used in that way as well too i'm just saying i don't know i'm his... pretty sure that's the only way legally you can use that word there are multiple definitions and he experiences a form of it in terms of like at least unable to control his emotions we can call the word whatever we want. emotional sure. leakage just say it mm. <laughs> what's more offensive which one <laughs> Uh, pass. <laughs> okay, great. Anyway, I was a little. I also thought it was a little melodramatic when he turned to camera and he just kept saying illogical, illogical. But then I was like, yeah, he can't control this anymore, and that's yeah. showing. And that's actually when he gets the moment of like, okay, maybe I can't control this, and I do need help. 
And so we get what is a solution to a lot of Vulcan problems, which is a good old-fashioned mind meld. Mind yeah. meld. Where two actors count to three and try and say the same word. <laughs> my mind to my mind, my thoughts to your thoughts. No? She's talking about the improv exercise. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the point of the game is that eventually, if you try and combine two words, you will get to the same word eventually, even if it takes 50 tries. And it's a very fun game to do in the line at Disney World or Disneyland. Mm. Um, but that's not what they do, I found out. No, no. It's similar. But the different. mind meld's been shown a few times in Star Trek before this, but yes. I think this is one of the coolest representations of it i've ever seen and definitely in terms of like seeing the effects of it holy cow they've used it in the original series a lot as this sort of like deus ex machina of like if we get in trouble vulcan then spock can do a mind meld or a nerve pinch and we'll get out of it in the same way they'll transport away or kirk will punch it's something. been used canonically to like what put someone's personality inside of someone else and also and to like, read some like trace thoughts right yep and absorb like pain or emotional trauma okay. from something uh, like ease things but it's mainly well, how on brand to solve the situation this exactly. way do you think they worked backwards from like okay whatever we do it can it's be solved be by a mind, mind <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well it is a joining of minds in an interesting way and also a joining of personalities and almost of like consciousness which is very yep. fascinating how this is played. it's very intimate and as a recap reminder, Picard is the one who suggests said mind meld so that the negotiations can go on. He will lend his well-orchestrated, well-refined um, com composure mm -hmm. as the captain that we know and love and lend that to Sarek as he takes on Sarek's very vulnerable emotions, yeah. which may be too much for a human mind to handle. We shall see. But if anyone can do it, it's Picard. Yeah. Uh, real, just real quick, was it Picard's idea or was it Perrin's idea? Because I recall that she's like, I think Picard was gonna do the negotiations or at least tell them that he that Sarah couldn't, and then she suggests that to him. She desperately begs for Picard to help Sarah. Right, and but she it's his idea. How. Okay, and then the next gotcha. Scene, okay. Yeah. Uh, then we don't know that it scene could have been... gone on. Perrin could have suggested it off camera, but on camera we see okay. the captain come yeah. up cool. with it. And we don't really see too much of the mind meld itself, which I'm kind of glad. I think it's kind of mm. needs to be unseen because we get to what's even better, which is the effects of it. And we are on the bridge, and suddenly Sarah appears and calls Riker number one. The acting. Do you hear? I don't know if you heard it, but uh, let's. Uh, the, the actor who plays Eric, by the way, is Mark Leonard, and I don't know if you hear it, but both of the actors do impersonations of each other very slightly, mm -hmm. and like they drop mm -hmm. their personal accents and, and have an interpretation so of good. the other one. It was crazy and uh, very impressive. Mm -hmm. I thought actually it was like it was dubbed in some way or something, but I'm pretty sure both of them just did it naturally. For sure. Well, and you you know that they're both like I'm sure stage actors that get to do something like this for television and flex those skills and have it be and useful. By God, do they? And I mean, let's just talk mm -hmm. about Patrick Stewart's uh, two. I mean, two shots. That's all it is. Class. It's two yeah. different, very yeah. emotional moments that are almost unbroken. You don't even realize in the first mm. shot of Picard having this outpouring of emotion, which because he's taking all of Sarek's emotions and holding on to them while Sarek goes, goes and does his job. Uh, you don't yeah. even know that Beverly's in the room. 
Well, yeah, I was going to say, notably, he asks Beverly to be there to, uh, like, handle this with him. And I had the thought in my notes, I was like, well, shouldn't he be asking Troy? And then as soon as I saw it happening, I was like, Troy should be very far away from yeah, this. Troy. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, man, it'd be a whole music box situation all over yeah. again. Yeah. She'd, she'd or be... she'd just start fighting, I guess. Right, right. right. <laughs> yeah. No need for two people to go through it. But it, it's sweet and touching because he has this sort of will-they-won't-they. A romantic relationship with Beverly, mm. as well as well, if something went terribly wrong, who is the person the on the ship that you would call? Yeah, yeah, yeah. the doctor. Uh, but although it is a risk, I would want Worf there as well, just to keep <laughs> Beverly safe, because we've seen a lot of physical outbursts from yeah, people on the ship. True. Yeah, but I guess they didn't want to worry about that. This was all about just carrying heavy emotions and letting them out in a very cathartic, very theatrical, mm. chewing up those scenery curtains kind of way. I mean, so good. to have to like go through the outpouring of 200 years of suppressed yeah. emotion, that's yeah. pretty intense. Like intense doesn't even do it justice. And Patrick Stewart like finds the journey in like what, Ugh. 45 seconds? Is that how long it's that is? It's perfect. It's amazing. Yeah. And he talks very specifically about uh, Sarek's love for Perrin. And he actually also mentions for the only time in the episode. Amanda. Hear it. Oh, is that his first wife? Yeah, Amanda. And he mentions Spock. Mm -hmm. And so, like, the fact that Spock even got mentioned is a thing because they're not supposed to talk about uh, the original series characters very often. Um, there's a note mm. here from, I believe, one of the writers. Let me double check. The other thing I wanted to say is that on the page, there doesn't seem to be that much text here. It's a little paragraph block of... Things he's remembering, things he's seeing. And yet there's so mm. much between the words. The words are not really what's happening here. There's such a journey of like sound and vocalization that isn't about the words. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it actually takes him a really long time to get through a short sentence and we're with him for every syllable there's of it. So Absolutely. much subtext in there. It's amazing. It, it's a real lack of fear to take that space to yeah. experience it and i know something i struggle with with performing is i want to get through the thing because i'm like well get to the point though like mm. you want something as a character and, and get that want out mm. and sometimes when you're trying to entertain you forget it's okay to take up space mm. and sometimes that is what the Absolutely. scene requires um, this the script was uh, rewritten from a state where it was just a, a normal, just a, a Vulcan ambassador in general, and they decided to add Sarek in it because of the clout that comes with that, right? And one of the writers mm. who reworked on that script, uh, whose last name is Bear, he wanted to include more references to Spock, but it was a challenge. Okay. Uh, it was Iris Stephen Bear. Oh, never. oh yeah, Iris Stephen Bear. Mm -hmm. Blue-haired guy. Yeah, yeah. You know? Deep Space Nine. Oh. No, but... In the Pastel Hair Club? <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> he said, I broke open a major barrier and made it possible for the next generation to use names like Spock on screen. It was a major taboo when I got there. No way could you mention the original Star Trek characters. It took days and days in arguing to slip in even a single reference to Spock. So I like to think of my own sort of incoherent way. I started to help push open the door to what was a very, very closed and narrow franchise. And, like, he wanted to at least reference it. And I'm glad they yeah. only let him get one because it's not about yeah. Spock, honestly. And I right. I love – it also made the reference to Spock that much more important when it happens so yes. much later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I had no idea this was Spock's father. Mm. 
Either Even after it, watching that scene and hearing the word Spock, well, it's, it's right. easy to miss. It's easy to miss, and and it doesn't really know, affect just, the story. And it's more of that reward for a fan who had paid maybe attention in the '60s and would be like, "I know that actor. Oh, he's playing the same character," yeah. and get that. I think it was smart and specific for them to have the rule of not referencing yeah. TOS because. They were talking to a new fan base, exactly. and they didn't want to alienate people that had never watched yeah. TOS. Well, Picard summons this whole well of energy and manages to contain it long enough for the negotiations to go well. Patrick Stewart, those tears, man. I that Iconic face journey. They were beautiful. <laughs> we're not talking one when you hear Mozart. We're talking no. rivers <sighs> down the cheeks. He's, I was looking for and a snot felt, bubble, but it was classy. <laughs> it was classy. He kept it classy, but it was so real. Mm. It wasn't... Look at me crying. It was like, let me give my emotion outward. And it, the tears just come. It was wow. very well summoned. I was I was blown away by that scene. Mm-hmm. Well summoned. <laughs> That's a new phrase. I'm, I'm going to own it. Yeah. yeah. That was good. It's a good phrase. The negotiations go great. The link is dissolved, I guess. And Picard has to say goodbye to Sarek. And a, another moment when I also got a little teary was when they were saying goodbye in the transporter room. <gasps> I lost it, especially because the way that it, the saying goes is like live long and prosper. And the response is peace is long life. But this shows that it's like this reversal of it's it's almost like Sarek saying it to Picard, Picard saying it to Sarek in tandem. Oh, it's so he good. also mentions he says, you know, we each take the best part of our person, each other's personality when we have a mind meld. And Picard says, I think I got the better part of that bargain. And he did. It's beautiful. It's what so a bro good. down. Yeah, yeah. I do want to start saying live Ugh. long and prosper, but it's such it's become such a cliche now it doesn't work. But I love the phrase. The phrase mm. is so good. Yeah. It's still holding yeah, yeah. Just say peace yeah. and long life. No big go. deal. I didn't know peace and long life was the call and response. <laughs> I thought that Picard was just like, nah, I'm not gonna do the cliche though. Uh, like, let me make it my own. It yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I thought he just put a spin on it when yeah. he said peace and long life. Beautiful moment, especially because Sarek was the one that showed that emotional vulnerability in a, in a way that colloquially, like linguistically, even though emotions were pouring out of him, uh, linguistically was not easy for him to do. And he was mm. obviously making the stretch from his traditional Vulcan culture mm. to say, I, it was a good experience for me to mind meld with you. Right. Like That was not necessary from a logical point of view to say but, but it meant a lot that he did the influence mm-hmm. of each other so that might have been a little bit of picard emotionally leaking <laughs> Ugh, leaking all over the place the this episode like i don't know if it has business being as good as it is because it's just it's an a plot perfect like the yeah. actors yeah, that's really true. deliver on this and i think that's a credit to the 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 whole team uh, on this episode because it's a pretty yeah it's there's no alt there's no really besides the crazy fight scenes there's really not a lot of altercations there's yeah. not a lot of threats to everybody or the the mission too much it's just like this ambassador's not working out and so i i was yeah. like I'm, I'm surprised at how flimsy this this um this plot line is but it kind of needs its space because we need to play with all these emotions yeah. as you said becca we need to take up that space and show the journey if we had crammed in a b plot it'd be too busy we'd be trying to do too much mm-hmm. and zip around and we wouldn't give sarah and picard enough time to do this exploration so i work well there's one thing i could have used in a b plot which is a little more time in the rainbow hot tub <laughs> yeah but the smell though 
Yeah, a real Chekhov's hot tub, not fired, you know? Uh, but yeah, I think that we've definitely made the switch to this is now an ensemble show. It's carried like every character that we sort of care about gets their own little moments. We we check in with Wesley and Jordy and Worf and in Beverly, you know, each at different times when before we never really had that. It was focused on maybe two or three characters and their stories. And then they would have to put Worf through makeup and ha- use him wherever they could. <laughs> but now uh, we paid cameos. attention to the ensemble and to the ensembles. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, good clothes. Those outfits, though. We saw the old uniforms at the concert. Oh, did we? Oh, I missed yeah, those. Yeah, there were some of yeah. the extras. I know the they have a, a finite budget for the new uniforms, so I think mm-hmm. a lot of people get like shoved into the old ones if there's too many people on screen. You got to look for the shoulder mm-hmm. piping. Yeah, the piping. That's the old one. Right. And no collar. And the back problems. Yeah, and the back problems. <laughs> well, speaking of ensembles and outfits, next week we have quite an episode. It's Menage Troy. Ooh. Oh, I kept reading that wrong. <laughs> no, it's, you read it right. In this episode, Commander Riker, Counselor Troy, and Ambassador Loxana Troy are kidnapped Ooh. by the Ferengi. Bum, bum, bum. Uh-oh. I'm excited to get there. Let's uh, let's go see it. Engage. Engage. Emotional leakage. 